Come on, Jax. Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Saturday's defeat at home to Wraith, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, good clean sheet for you at the weekend. How are you doing? Fantastic, yeah. It was not a great game of football and yeah, bottled it. Rhys Haldane's here. Rhys, how are you? I'm fed up to be honest, man. We've been so up and down, especially at such a crucial time of the season, but... We've just got to keep on keeping on and hopefully turn this tide. And rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, how are you? I um <laughs> I mean <laughs> as good as you can be under the circumstances. Yeah, one one to forget on Saturday. We'll start as we always do with the starting eleven. Uh, Jamie, I'll come to you on this one. Lewis Mayo was back in midfield, but it wasn't eleven where we were trying to work out the shape before the game. What shape were we playing in the first half, Jamie? Yeah, it was quite difficult to work out what we were doing. I didn't know if we were going for a back three or playing male in midfield again, like we did against Arbroath. And we seemed to be playing male in a kind of holding midfield role. And I think, he was, was he alongside Bannigan with Doherty sitting in front of him or... Vice versa, I'm, I'm not completely sure. And then I think it seemed to be Graham up front and we appeared to have Yakubiak maybe slightly out on the right and Tiff slightly out on the left. I think that might be the shape we're going for. But, you know, seeing the starting 11, it was a bit frustrating to see Kyle Turner, who's one of our most creative players and only person who's got a real quality set piece, which is one of the ways we've actually been getting goals of late on the bench again. And he wasn't even brought on during the 90 minutes, which just was baffling, to be honest. And uh, it was a bit frustrating. I think the, the attacking three, it was a wee bit like what Liverpool do with their narrow forwards. So they've got like Salah and Mane playing wide of a of a central attacker. And we'd sort of that with Tiffany and Yakubiak. But I think why it's so se- successful with Liverpool is they've got the, the attacking fullbacks providing so much width and we just didn't have that. And I think that's why it was so flat. In the first half, we had, I think Graham had a header that was saved and with a couple of sort of half chances. But again, we really struggled to create. Reese, what did you think of the the starting eleven and the performance? Echoing what Jamie said, like it's it's kind of hard to tell now when you look at the team sheet with so many just like players that all play the same position. But obviously, I quite quite enjoyed seeing Mayo in midfield. I know it was a bit short lived. I just was baffling why Tunji was subbed off at half time actually try to destroy the guy's confidence because I thought he was doing all right. Um, and it doesn't help when he's sort of in and out of the team, in and out, and then hooked at half-time. But obviously, McCall's the manager. He's got to make these decisions and he's got to uh, got to lie with him. The buck stops with him. So it, was, it is what it is. And then Mayo was put back to centre-half for the second half and we didn't look any more attacking. Robbie Crawford, like, as much as I say I, I quite like Robbie Crawford as a player, he's not been... He doesn't have that attacking impotence that 
as as we said off air, just baffles me that Kel Turner wasn't brought on at least as a sub, just for his deliveries. They're always important for us. In terms of the game, as as you guys have said, it was just half chances, and I thought if any team was going to win, it was going to be us. We seemed to be the, the team that was sort of in the ascendancy. It wasn't a great game by any means, but I just I didn't really see Rafe snatching the win, but it wasn't to be for us on the day. And it hurt to be honest because a, a draw was pretty much enough. But we'll just need to go next week to, at home to Dunfermline and hopefully seal, seal the deal. David, I know I come, normally come to you with a, a daft question about what you get up to at, at Pleasureland or something like that. But I'm, go, I'm going to ask you a tactical question, so, so don't panic. But we spoke about Lewis Mayo moving into midfield for their growth game. And that really worked because we stopped our growth playing long balls into their front too. He was back there on Saturday after going back to defence down at Dumfries, but he was back in midfield on Saturday. Do you think we needed that against Wraith Rovers, and do you think it worked? It's one of those things because it it kind of harkens back to the old Banzo and Dock in League One thing, where we used to, people used to say, "Oh, you don't need both Banzo and Dock in League One. It's a bit it's a bit of an extravagance against teams like you know East Fife or Peterhead or whatever." But I think more so than you know, it worked well at our Broth. Like it, it didn't work well when we put him back at Dumfries. We were all over the shop against Dumfries and against Queen of the South, and realistically should have lost. And you have to say, why were we so good against our bro and so bad against Queen of the South? Apart from us just being a complete riot at at, at the moment, there's got to be something in that. Or maybe he's thought, well, he done really well against our bro in that position and didn't do so well. Um, against Queen of the South and it brings Akinola back in the squad and hopefully it would rebuild his confidence until he got hooked at half time but much like we said I don't think Rafe had many chances at all and did not look at all like they were going to threaten to score so you kind of thought well you know job's done it's worked but I don't know we looked better than we did against Queen of the South but I think I think the Queen of the South result plays a big part in why that was a change and I, I can't argue against it I, from how bad we were on that game that we definitely needed to shake something up and put Mayo back into midfield. He worked well against our both. It's not it's not a bad thing to do. Now you make a good point and you're probably right from a, a defensive point of view, even though we conceded a goal and we didn't at Palmerston, we probably did look more sound on Saturday. I thought the back four, even Akinola in the first half, and then I thought the back four in the second half played pretty well until the goal, which was a bit of a mess. But I thought they they all had pretty solid games. I suppose the tactical switch did work in the sense that we limited Wraith to very little. But what you're losing from that is Kyle Turner's set-piece deliveries. You're losing an extra creative player going forward. And I think that really showed with the chances we created. I think it even affected the attackers like Tiffany Graham, Yukubek, we had on the pitch. They were sort of struggling for, for service from midfield as well. I was just going to say like, on that, I mean, the thing was, is that, I mean, I, I listened to the Rafe Rovers and Film again from last week um, on the radio. And to be honest, it, it was a case of Dunfermline were all over them and Rafe offered nothing whatsoever and Dunfermline were all over them and stuff like that. And McGlynn, uh, McGlynn was talking about how they, it was an equal game and they were in it and they really weren't uh, to the fact to the point where like the presenters and sports team were openly mocking them for saying it and saying that, you know, it's absolute nonsense. Rafe just did not have any many opportunities, even in that Challenge Cup game, bar you know, a couple of goal opportunities that they took. They didn't really do much and arguably could have lost against Queen of the South. But like Rafe aren't this insane team of sharpshooters who score lots and lots of goals. When they get chances, they don't. 
take them that often. And to be honest, it's one of those ones where you think how they are going. If you can stop them from getting chances, you don't. It doesn't. You don't necessarily need to to have backs against the wall against them because they're not that effective offensively. You probably could have went to an extra man up front, like or like you know Kyle Turner or whatever, and probably been safe. But obviously, it's it's all all irrelevant now. <laughs> yep, they did take the one of the few chances, I suppose. So. Um, I don't like it. I've been a very high-scoring game on the the XG models. Um, Rhys Jenkins is not here with us this week. I know he's he's into that. I, I didn't see any XG stats, but I don't think it would have been a a high one for that. I don't think we've really had a high XG game for a while. But yep, they they took their chance at the end. Jamie, I want to ask you about the the halftime switch that Rhys mentioned. Uh, Akinola was replaced by Robbie Crawford. We moved to a more conventional looking four four two in the second half. Do you think that that change worked? No, to be honest. I like we said earlier. Don't think Akinola should come off for he was having a good game. I think he's looked a bit better recently, and it can be good for his confidence if he's you know dropping out the team. He's on the bench a lot, and he's one of the ones who signed the deal for next season. So I'm sure it'll be you know pretty bad for him. He's pretty disappointed, no doubt, that he's getting dropped quite a bit and coming off. I just don't think it made sense. And Robbie Crawford, you can tell he's a centre mid when he's put out on the right. I've not understood this. We didn't seem to address the right mid problem. I know we signed McAllister, but it would have harmed to send another winger in the window as well, especially since McAllister's been injured. And Crawford, it just doesn't really work on the right, I wouldn't say. I think if McCall was going to make that change and he wanted to go to a 4-4-2, why didn't he bring Kyle Turner on a right mid? It would have definitely made more sense. No, Turner's not a conventional right mid, but end of the day, he's definitely someone who can get us up the pitch. He's creative and he can deliver a no, sorry, you put in a good delivery. So the sub didn't make sense to me. I think it's it was just a case of he probably like David said, he probably recognised Wraith weren't posing too much of a threat, and he could have probably done without Mayo screening the back four. So who are you going to take off? Are you going to take off Holt or Mayo? Are you going to take off a full back and play a, another centre back in a full back position? It, it was a tough one and. I don't think it was a case of McCall thinking I can always play bad to be taken off. I think it was just he was the one to be sacrificed to tell our extra midfielder on. But as you've both said, I'm I'm still unconvinced by Crawford. I think there's a player in there. If we saw him playing his natural position in the middle, I don't think we're going to see that because I can't see Bannigan and Dockery getting dislodged. And I think Crawford and McKenna are sort of beginning to fall under the same bracket as in they're, they're both good players. I think they could both be very handy for the rest of the season and, and going into next season. I'd, I would probably keep both around, but playing in the more natural positions. I think McKenna playing it right back and Crawford playing in the right-hand side of midfield can work for a game or two, but when you're prolonging it over months and a whole season in McKenna's place, I think the cracks start to show. And it's, it's not their fault, and it's unfortunate that it looks like they're playing badly, even if they are sort of underperforming. It's just a case of they've been asked to do something they're not entirely comfortable with. Reese, what did you make of the performance on the whole on Saturday? Is there any players you'd like to, to pick out for praise or otherwise? Um, not too many. I thought that uh, the defence as a whole looked pretty solid. We didn't give too much away. Um, and when Rafe did seem to have sort of half chances, we looked pretty solid. I think Snedden made a good save from uh, Regan Tumulty's shot. It was a good strike and it looked like it was goal-bound. And, uh, Snedden's been in great form recently and he managed to tip it around the corner. 
Um, apart from that, it was pretty much it, the game was pretty turgid. It, was, it didn't look great to be honest, and the chances that we had, like a leg there coming off the bench, he should it should be on target, it should score to be honest. Um, so I'd say the defence probably get past marks, but at that, I think Stephen Hendry was really good as well. It's good to see, well, wasn't really good, but it, it brings something different, definitely. I think he's a better option at left-back than Foster. I think he gets us forward for more. I think he puts in a better delivery. Um, so I, the defence was good, but apart from that, I can't think of much else. The leg there chance, I think, was the big one, and it was a shame for him because I think that's probably the liveliest he's looked maybe since his early his early games back at the start of February. And um, I think he had a wee dip when he was when he was getting starts, funnily enough. But I thought that was the liveliest he's looked. But when he went through on goal, it, it was almost the same feeling as when Adiaziz went through on goal. He just had no confidence in him at all, and it's a shame. And he's he's only a young striker, so it's hard to be too critical of him. But <clears throat> You don't know, would Ross McKeever have taken that chance? Again, you're not too sure. Would Zach Rudden have taken that chance? Probably. And these are the sort of margins we're going to look back on at the end of the season. I think the January window is going to be looked back on as a as a key moment and period in the season is how it's gone. Because I, I think that Allegra miss on, on Saturday was a big one. If that had gone in, I think would have had enough to keep a clean sheet and tighten it up. Um Aye, low on confidence, I think, Allegra. David, what were your takeaways from Saturday's game? Yeah, I mean, it, no one ever really expected a high-octane classic, to be honest. I mean, you, I think it was yourself that posted the stat about for Hill for Nils, like, not had, like, any games where, like, both teams have scored since 1986 at this point, it feels like, anyway. Um, it's all been one goal victories or you know really really tight losses and stuff like that that it's just I, I don't know it's we were better than we were against Queen of the South but we won the game at Queen of the South we are as you know as McCall said we did not deserve to beat Queen of the South and we won we probably deserved a draw here um, and to be honest it kind of felt by the end that we were just hanging on for a draw because we knew that with that, with our goal difference, that was going to be, you know, good enough or whatever. I, we didn't really see any sort of get up and go from the front. I don't think Tiffany had the best game. He was all right. He had, he had the odd moment with her, but I don't know. There's it, it, nothing overtly good that I would praise, but I don't think we were overall as bad as we were against the Queen of the South or in the Hamilton or Dunfermline Scuddens or anything like that. Yeah, here, here's the stat, David. So we've played 22 games at Farhill this season in all competitions. In those 22 games, 22 clean sheets have been kept in total by the home and away sides. So Thistle have kept 13 clean sheets in 22 games, which which is a really good statistic, actually. That's, that's a positive. But we've also failed to score in nine games at home out of 22. And there have only been three games this season where both teams have scored in the same game. Anybody want to go at naming those three games? I, I could probably name them. Go on. First Queen game of South. Of the season. Right, Queen of South. Yep. Hamilton. No. 4-1. No, no, hold on. Um, no. No. Oh, Wait, hold on. Did you say, sorry, three games at home that both teams have scored this season in, in the yep. league? All competitions. Yeah, 4-2 All comp- against Dunfermline. That's right. And All competitions. And Vanessa? No. Nope. 
Um, I brought three ones. Nope. That was away. I'm, I'm actually making games up. <laughs> no, that was away. Um, I'm trying to think we've played. Kelly won each. Kelly won each. Kelly won each is the one. So it's Dunfermline 4 2 in the League Cup or 2 4. Queen of the South 3 2 in the opening day. And then since then, just the 1 1 draw in front of 500 fans against Kilmarnock. Other than that, terrible uh, team to put on both teams to score coupons at Firhill. That's an interesting stat that like two of the three games this season where both teams have scored were in the League Cup group stages and the flag day on the opening yeah. day of the season. And there's been fuck all since. Yeah. Well, I want to ask about how our season is looking at the moment. So obviously we're, we're still in a good position in the league. We're three points clear. One more win will secure the playoffs with the goal difference situation. We might not even need to get that one, depending on what Wraith do. But how important is a a win and probably a good performance against Infernon on Saturday? Because as David said on Saturday there against Wraith, you could. <laughs> You could almost excuse the way we sat off because we knew we only needed a point. But if we go into the Dunfermline game and we lose or we draw, we unconvincingly draw and we really are fizzling out this season, there's going to be no optimism going into the playoffs. How important is it that we put a good performance on and win and probably win convincingly in one of the last two games just to get a bit of momentum going into the playoffs? How important do we think that is? I think it's massive that we do that because, you know, we don't like you said we don't want to be going into the playoff off the back of. We, we could mathematically go in off the back of three straight defeats if we did lose both the games and Wraith didn't make the ground or whatever. Obviously, hope that's not the case. But you need to need to put out some strong performances, get the confidence up, and also kind of get the fan backing up a bit because everybody I think, or most fans, including me, I said the other day that the end of the season's just been, you know, a pretty lackluster ending in the last like month or two or so. It's just been, you know, it's not the excitement hasn't been there. The same enjoyment that was there earlier in the season has gone. There was a shocking run of form. We won one game, but we fought it again. You know, the games are not as enjoyable to watch. Just, you know, there's not that many goals like we've said many times. So if we could just go out there, put on a decent performance, score more than one goal and win the game, then I think it would definitely increase increase confidence in the players and in the fans, just increase the general mood around Firehill, and that would be massive. I mean, you you mentioned about obviously we we theoretically could be going into the playoffs on the back of three straight losses. If you magnify that more, it would be what eight losses out of nine, like eight out of the last nine games that we've lost. And, if we, if that, I think it'd be eight and ten, yeah, if we lost the next. Yeah, eight two. and ten uh, going into the playoffs. Um, obviously we're taking the very pessimistic option of, um, you know, if we lose the next two games. Uh, there's every possibility we will lose, lose these two games. I would not be surprised if we lost them. I'd actually be more surprised if we won both of them than if we lost both of them. And, and the pro- I think the thing as well is that if you if you lose that Dunfermline game, you need to go into that last game of the season and get a result. Basically, you, you have to play a full-strength team to doing that. If you beat Dunfermline now, you can, in the last game of the season, you can put in, say, Akinola again. Um, or even even give Bloody Andy for a game just to just to get him. No, 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 no. Rather give Kenny Arthur a game. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like, like I get what you, I get what you mean. Give guys like Graham a rest, Holt a rest, guys that have yeah, because they're going to really have to play the week spy. after, and it's yeah. it's one of those ones where like you don't want to have to go in on the Friday, absolutely kill yourselves 
to then go out three days later uh, for the playoffs. Is that right? It's in the Tuesday the, the week after? That's right, yep. Right. Um, yeah, like, we really need to win this game because, to be honest, if, if you want, if you if we stand any chance of going up, Brian Graham is probably going to be a factor in it. And Brian Graham cannot play seven games in three and a half weeks. So, um, let's let's get it done now and let's have Juan Halegria up front against Ayer, um, just just so Brian Graham can go into the cryogenic chamber for a couple of days um, and rest himself. Because yeah, and as well as that, if you go into that air game, can, can you imagine what it's going to be like with the fans and the team if we lose that Dunfermline game and we're going to go right? You need to be Ayer, and you've lost seven of the last nine. If you do not do this, an entire season, everything you've built up will be worthless. Provided Rafe, Rafe might, to be honest, Rafe might end up being Kingsmaker in the title race and beating Kilmarnock to give our both the title and similarly lose us, you know, lose our playoff spot. That that pressure, I, I, I think the pressure of us having to go get a result against the air is going to be very, very tough in our current run. And can we just get it done against Infirmus, please? I think you make a, a really good point about wrestling players. What came into my head when you were talking about that was if we beat them firmly on on um, on Saturday coming, it still opens the door for Queen of the South to stay up. So if they're in a position where they can stay up on the last day and we go to Somerset Park and just field our team of kids, can you imagine the Queen of the South, the saltiness on their, on their Twitter, given it after Saturday that they were relying on us for favours and, and staying up in the Championship? How the turntables? I would, I would. Gl- I, well, but I, in all fairness, I'd probably take two losses to relegate Queen of the South if <laughs> get beat by Kilmarnock. I'm not gonna lie. One air down there as well, man. That would be funny just to relegate air in the last day for all the shit to give them a It would be good. I, I don't, I can't. I think sensibly, like we, we could rest players that you think Bannigan, Doherty, Holt. Graham, these guys have played so many minutes, maybe less in Graham's case due to injury, but so many minutes. They need a rest, but McCall will not want to rest. Players going back to Somerset Park as well. But no, I, I do agree. A win, a convincing win in one of the last two games to to boost the mood and get... When we're in the playoffs, we want lots of fans to attend. And if we're off the back, as you say, David, like 1-1-10 one, one going into the playoffs, are any fans going to look at that and go... Yeah, I'll go to that. They'll be like, no, nah, I'm not bother. And an extra five, six hundred on on the home gate could be the difference in these in these games. We will talk about the Dunfermline game on Saturday, and I think we know exactly what we're going to, what we're going to get from Dunfermline and a John Hughes team. They're going to come, um, make the pitch as big as possible, play nice football, play out from the back. Are you expecting us to go toe to toe with them? play similar football, press them high, or do you think we might sit and try and play on the counter? What are you expecting us to do on Saturday? Um, I think we might actually sit in and try and play on the counter. I think that we'll be really nervous, actually. Off the back, you can see in a 90th-minute uh, 90th minute goal to Rafe, and then considering the performance Dunfermline put in against us last time we met them up at East End Park. So, me, me as a fan, I'm... I'm not looking forward to this game uh, and I don't really think the players will be looking forward to it as well. So, not, not the best of starts, but <laughs> um, I am worried about it. But we've just got to hope that we turn up because we know when Thistle do turn up, 
we are a, a great team. We've been a great team for large parts of this season. But just the last few months, just since the turn of the year, really, like we've just no got going. Um, and I still can't believe that stat's going, but we, we can't seem to score more than one goal. It's 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 dreadful. So I, I do think it'll be quite a quite a cagey affair at the weekend. I don't think either team's going to be. In fact, if there is one team that's going to be, I can see it being another four-one Dunfermline. This is the first time I've heard <laughs> this podcast so so down bad. We're normally we're normally in the clouds, but I am not looking forward to it. <laughs> I just just do want to remind you that if you do predict a Dunfermline win, you are barred from the podcast forever. That is the rule of being a club podcast. As you Hang on a minute, David. It, walking down to the Woody and you were like, I've just won a sum of money. Would you like a pint? Guess what I won a sum of money on? Or Wraith winning on a coupon? Aye. Right. Covering your bases. That's fine. You, ah, I, okay. you can be a duplicity snake off air all you like. That's fine. But on, on here, when you're on podcast time, you're predicting official win or draw. Okay. <laughs> Jamie, what players would you like to see return to the starting eleven on Saturday, if any? Kyle Turner. I've been banging on about that old podcast. Want to see him start? I think he's got to start. Been missing him recently, especially from the set piece deliveries. And I'd like to see Conor Murray come back into the team. Gives a little bit more going forward, and you know does take on his man quite well. And wouldn't mind seeing those those two changes. I think a player like Turner is so important when you're not creating. A lot of chances in open play. A player with such a good set-piece delivery, like, I'd say at least 80% of his set-pieces are really, really good crosses that could easily end up in goals. And I think that's a ridiculously high amount, especially for a player at this level. And when you're missing any sort of creativity from open play, which we really are struggling from at the moment, I think it's so important that Turner plays. And I think... I think he's, it's so important that even if you don't trust him going, going back defensively, which I think must be the reason a guy like Robbie Crawford's playing on the right-hand side over Turner, you do something to cover that just to get Turner into the side. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you well, we are playing a centre-back or right-back. You tell Doc or Bannigan to, to cover for Turner the right-hand side a bit more. You do whatever you can to get a guy like that in the team. I agree with you, Jamie. I think he's he's going to be a key man in the next couple of weeks, depending on where we end up. Score prediction time then. Um, next season, we're definitely going to be keeping a track in these score predictions. We'll, we'll come up with a wee league table. But just for fun, for the last couple of weeks, David, score prediction for Saturday. Well, what's your on-air prediction and what's your off-air prediction? Well, I mean, you need to look at this. We need a good result here to keep our 66% chance of winning the league title up. So, um, um, I would say we're up against 11 good honest laddies here and it's it's going to be tough um, and our pitch is atrocious and we were just destined to never watch good football ever again. 1-0 Fissel. <laughs> Who's scoring? Um, Akinola. Bicycle kick. Crikey. Race. See, part of me was thinking 2-1 Dunfermline and then I heard that stat where there's only been three games all season where both teams have scored and now I'm thinking... 2-0 Dunfermline. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, my draw is a draw result. I'm part of this podcast, so it's 3-0 Fissel, Brian Game Hattick. Love it. Jamie? 
I refuse to ever predict a defeat. So, 2-1 Thistle, go on. We're actually going to score two goals in the game. I think I've said, I don't know how many times I've said that, how many weeks in a row we're going to score two goals in the game. But this is going to be the week. It's finally going to happen. <laughs> I just Good want much. to clarify, if we score either more than one goal or Tunjiakano does score a bicycle kick, I'm on the pitch. Um, if we score that's two fair. goals, that's, that's a pitch invasion worthy. That's fair. I'll say nil nil. I've been going one nil the last couple of weeks and it's been far too optimistic. So I'll drop back to a nil nil. I think there's already been a couple of stinking uh, Dunfermline games at Fahal this season. One which was one nil and one which was nil nil. So I'll go another nil nil. Do you think do you think because we keep predicting wins, that's why we keep being shite? Maybe if we predict a loss, we'll win. We'll save that for the playoff final, see, right? I, see, see stuff like that, right? Like as fans, you start actually blaming yourself, don't you? I know people try and blame me for that tweet, but just remove remove that. But like, you actually do think, oh, because I didn't wear that top to the game, or it's because I didn't do this the night before the game. You like, you actually start blaming yourself. <laughs> if we start doing a wee league table with the predictions next season, maybe maybe people will start predicting losses for for points on that. So we'll see what happens next year. Earlier this week, I caught up with Neil Cowan from the new independent fan-led initiative, Jag is for Good. As you might have seen on Facebook or Twitter this week, a Jags for Good page has been set up, which is an independent fan-led initiative mobilising Partick Thistle fans in the name of social justice in Mary Hill and across Glasgow. And joining me, or one of the men behind that, is Neil Cowan. Neil, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks very much for having me, Matt. Now, do you want to just start by by telling us about this group and its goals, really? Yeah, so we've come together um, as a group of, I suppose, uh, like-minded Thistle fans, um, I guess primarily in response to the kind of the, the struggles that a lot of people are experiencing, um, not just in, in Maryhill, North Glasgow, but really across across the city in general. And we know that a lot of people are really struggling to kind of make ends meet at the minute. Um, and I think, you know, football clubs play massive parts, um, play you know, a massive role in their community. You know, football clubs don't exist in a, in a, in a vacuum. They're, you know, really rooted in their communities. So we felt as a, as a group of, you know, like-minded Jags fans, that there was an opportunity to, to mobilise Thistle fans um, in support of and sort of in solidarity with sort of local social justice issues. Um, and so, yeah, that's what's led to the, the, the initiative being launched today. Great stuff. Um, how many of you are behind it and what got the ball rolling? Um, well, there's six or seven of us have kind of been um, been involved to varying degrees. Um, so myself and uh, a good friend, Alan Aitken, have been talking about doing this kind of thing for, for several years. So we both used to live down in London um, and used to go along and support our local team, Dulwich Hamlet, and they do lots of um, kind of fan-led initiatives like this. And we'd always kind of bash this idea around. Um, but I suppose over the last few months with the kind of the struggles that a lot of people are experiencing, um, we decided to kind of take it forward. Um, and so we yeah, got in touch with a lot of folks that we thought might be interested in, and thankfully enough, they were. Um, and they've yeah, done a lot, a lot of really good 
help offered to kind of get off the ground, um, which has been brilliant. I noticed there's a there's a really good Q and A on the Twitter account, but I'm just going to ask you a couple of the questions that you've you've put on there. So, what are the goals that you want to achieve, and and why is now the time that you've you've started this? Well, I think what we want to achieve specifically is so we've launched with two initial um, activities. So one is uh, an online fundraising appeal, um, and really asking all all Thistle fans to donate, or not just Thistle fans, anyone really to donate as much. Um, as they possibly can, if they can, um, and all of that money will go towards uh, buying season tickets that will be distributed to local charities, and primarily that will be the Maryhill Integration Network, and the other organisation, a brilliant organisation in Maryhill, um, that work to kind of bring communities together, but particularly to support um, refugees and asylum seekers and migrants to really kind of settle into life in Glasgow. So um, yeah, we've been speaking with them, and they think this would be um, a brilliant thing for the people that they work with to help them kind of integrate into into life in the city. So that's that's the first thing we're asking people to do. Um, and on Saturday's game, we'll also have some um, stalls set out set up both, uh, outside the John Lambie stand and the Jackie Husband stand. Um, as part of a food bank donation drive. So we'll be asking people to bring along um, some food or we'll be taking cash donations and all of that will go towards uh, Glasgow Northwest Food Bank who do, uh, again, brilliant work in Maryhill and, and really across the northwest of Glasgow. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the key aims, really. Um, in terms of why now, um, well, I think, you know, as we said in the Q&A, as I think I've touched upon, um, I think we all kind of know that the the struggles that a lot of folk, uh, particularly folk on low incomes, are experiencing at the moment across the city. So we, we live in a city was one in three um, kids growing up in poverty. Um, and, you know, we have, you know, however many fans we have, 2,000, 3,000, whatever it is, people there that, you know, have this kind of shared identity, have a hope, shared values, and that we think we can we can mobilise to to really just do some good. Um, so that's, that's kind of yeah, the thrust of what we're trying to do. Great stuff. Um, you mentioned the food bank there, which will be outside the John Lambie and Jackie Husband stands on Saturday. And you also mentioned that fans can donate. Do you want to explain how, how fans can donate? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So there's, there's a GoFundMe page um, that they can access um, on our Twitter page. So we'll be kind of punting that at regular intervals um, on the, the Twitter page. Um, so they can donate pretty easily through that. Um, and then, as I say, on Saturday, we'll be collecting food donations, but there'll also be some sort of bucket uh, donations for cash as well. And all of that will go towards uh, the Glasgow Northwest Food Bank. So there's various ways to get involved. The other thing to say is, you know, if folk don't feel able to, to donate, you know, because they're feeling a bit strapped at the moment, that's absolutely grand as well. Totally understand that. Um, and just any sort of shares and, and support on social media to kind of drum up interest in and support for the initiative would be fantastic as well. Brilliant. And you've, you've also answered in your Q&A that, you're not linked to the club and you're not focused on any issues that relate to fan ownership, but will you have any interaction with the club? Are you hoping to get anything back from the club while you're doing this? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I suppose that is an important thing to clarify. There's obviously a lot of uh, things happening at the moment in terms of fan ownership and, and a lot of, I think, really legitimate and important concerns about the running of the club. Um, but this isn't focused on that at all. Um, I think there's other, you know, there's other groups of folks that are doing brilliant work on that. This is purely and squarely focused on um, mobilising our fan base to try and try and do some good. Um, in terms of contact with the club, yes, they've been they've been helpful thus far. So we've been speaking with them about the kind of logistics behind organising the, the food bank donation drive on Saturday. We'll also um, we'll be speaking to them. We have been speaking to them about what support they could offer in terms of the, the fundraiser as well. So we can hopefully announce something on that soon. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So so absolutely separate from the fellowship stuff. Absolutely independent of the club but obviously looking for whatever support we can get from the club um, to make this a kind of worthwhile initiative. Great stuff. I, I think at a time when fan engagement is is a hot topic amongst us, so fans, I think the fact you've managed to raise 
is it well the last I've seen on Twitter was twenty one hundred, I think you tweeted a few hours ago. And that was bolstered by just employment law. You've also managed to get over three hundred followers already on Twitter. I've been so really impressed by how you've gone about it. Um, so where can fans find you online and elsewhere? Yeah, so we're on um, mainly on Twitter. So um, we're at Jags for Good on Twitter, and um, we'll hopefully maybe be launching an Instagram page soon as well. Um, and there's the GoFundMe page, which is GoFundMe.com forward slash uh, red hyphen and hyphen yellow hyphen for hyphen all. Uh, probably easier just to go on Twitter and get the link from there. But yeah, there's the GoFundMe page as well. But primarily Twitter um, uh, with some, maybe some more platforms to come. Great stuff. Uh, we'll put out a, a link to the GoFundMe out with this um, episode link if anyone's looking to donate. But uh, Neil, thanks very much for your time. And uh, I think it's a great thing you're doing. So, so keep it up. Good stuff. Right. Cheers, Matt. Thanks. finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle and I'm going to ask you all if you were going to go on to mastermind what would your specialist subject be? David. So I I did look into applying for mastermind at one point um, years what and happened? years ago. Well see well this is this is my problem is that the rules for mastermind is you, you need more than one subject because if you get through in the first round you need to pick a second round or whatever afterwards. But um, you also need to have two books written on your subject. And at the time, there was only one book written on my subject. Um, I think there might have been another one since. Um, whatever. But I would go for um, early 90s death metal, specifically Erate Records, the best record label of all time. can name you pretty much every record that was on there from 1985 to 1995 when it got shite. That sort of 10-year golden period, I think if you gave me, a, I had to write down like 25 of my greatest favourite albums, at least a solid 15 of them would be from Erate Records. So yeah, 90s death metal. I could maybe, I could do 90s death metal because there's a book in Swedish death metal as well that I've got that you could kind of go, well, that, do that. So yeah, uh, original death metal um, or Erate Records. Chris? Going to have to give you a boring answer, but it would probably be something like Partick Thistle or Scottish football, like lower league Scottish football as a whole. I feel like, see, being Thistle fans as well, like, and see if you play like football manager and stuff like that. Like, I don't play it anymore because I genuinely used to be addicted to the old ones back in like 2012. And I used to go along to my grands to get peace and quiet and I'd sit on football manager all day, right? And people, all my pals would say to me, like, oh, how do you know like all these like players? Do you sit on like Wikipedia and like looking at all these players and that? And I'm like, see, genuinely just playing football manager. You gain such a wealth of knowledge, you're like lower league scuddies, mate, like that you shouldn't even know. And like you know players from like every team and like where they've been and all that. But generally just it would be it would be a boring answer. I'd just have to say Scottish football, lower leagues probably. Jamie. See, I would say Thistle, but I'll go with uh, the original still game. 
So all the way from Flitton to Hootenanny, the original six seasons in the specials, not the revived or the new ones. Very nice. Well, you didn't steal my See, answer, fight- Jamie. So I, I was going to say Doctor Who, probably from... Uh, I'll go the modern era up to the Chibnall era, because uh, uh, I don't recognise that as official Doctor Who. Um, so I'll go from 2005 to 2017 Doctor Who. See, the thing with Mastermind is, right, like the, the the thing about the subjects is I remember someone done Metallica and when I was like a teenager I was the biggest Metallica fan you've ever met I met my best man on a Metallica forum he's from Norway and we bonded because we're such huge Metallica fans and I remember someone did did Metallica on Mastermind and all the questions because see the people that write the questions they're not into Metallica or Doctor Who or Still Game Aye. Do, do you know what I mean? So they go, oh, what would be hard for them? If you are proper nut for something, you will know more than the person writing the questions. Because the Metallica one was piss easy. It was like, I think it was like 16 out of 17 questions, right? Like, it was, it was really, really easy. And I don't go, I'm, you know, this incredible savant. Or people know far more about it than me. But I was like, is this actually like the questions of Mastermind? So I think if you, if you are like have a lifetime of doing it, you probably do stand a quite a good chance of doing well on it just because they don't know as much about, say, napalm death scum as you do. So they can't write a question that will trick you on that. So, yeah. Right, here's another one for you then. If you had to go on a TV quiz slash game show, what are you going on? There's only one answer, and I actually have a backstory about this if you want one. I mean, I'm in no hurry. <laughs> right. So I... I when I was a kid, right, um, so when I was a kid, I loved Supermarket Sweep, right? Obsessed. Rest in peace, Dale. Uh, rest in peace, Dale, right? I loved Supermarket Sweep. The earliest memory I have as a kid is running about my house with a shopping trolley pretending to be in Supermarket <laughs> Sweep, right? Um, and for years and years, I loved it. And, um, yeah, I, I remember I worked at Sky um, for a year or two, and we met the head of programming at Sky, so like and we got to says you got a big Q and A you can ask them whatever you like and people are like when is Game of Thrones coming back are you going to make another Joss we didn't see all that shit right but I got my question and my question was why do you keep showing the same episodes of Supermarket Sweep over and over again because you can tell from the shirts if you see them you've got I've seen that dreadful pineapple Hawaii <laughs> shirt before this is a this is a repeat and um, turns out there is a very good reason why they show the same ones over and over again. Because apparently they only have like series one to two for the first year, and then series three to four for the next year. So they lose the rights to certain series each year. So they just absolutely uh, spam the one that they're going to lose that year. So that in eight, nine years' time, you are still kind of getting new episodes. But yeah, they treated me with the dignity that I absolutely did not deserve for that question. But um, but I mean, oh, you know, people were like, "That's a silly question to ask." And their series didn't get remade, and my series did. Supermarket Sweep came back. And um, yeah, I, I just like I, I love Rylan. He's he hosts Supermarket Suite. He's a pundit in Eurovision. He is Mr. Cinch. He's literally living my dream. And I think he's <laughs> the best. I think that's I'll probably where the similarities end between you two, though, David. I'll, I'll give you a good uh, game show, right? It's not good, but let's say that's right. So, me and my pals were, were sitting with my mates one time, and there was this game show, and I don't know if any of you have seen it called Lightning. Have you seen that? No. Oh, I fuck! Oh, it's it's right. not even worth getting out of bed for, man. That's it. That's right. So we were just watching it, actual in tears at how bad this game show was. Right? I cannot believe it's been like it's been given a green light for a second series. The second series is out now, right? But basically, 
they have it's the worst standard of questions you've ever heard in your life. You'd, you'd win the jackpot easy, right? And it's like a spelling bee at the end type of thing. I can't believe how bad it is, right? But basically, you have to answer a guy. I've seen a guy win the jackpot. The jackpot is three grand. And to get that three grand, you have to jump through hoops to get that, right? So basically, nobody gets that. And this guy answered like 46 questions, right? Out of like 47 to get three grand. And I was like, mate. Any other game show, he'd be walking away with about two million pounds, know what I mean? And he's getting three grand and up the road. The worst game show ever. I <laughs> know. Oh, every time I've watched that, it's like you're competing for a jackpot prize of £240. I'm like, mate, the train down to London is more expensive than the <laughs> jackpot that I'll win on it. It's fucking stupid, man. I hate that show, man. It's so ridiculous. Jamie? What's that, Jamie? Could you just not hear me a minute ago? I don't know. I just kept that. Nah. No. All oh, right. I said pointless, then I'd appear in pointless. Ah, cool. Henrik Larson, that's your answer. Are you, have you heard about the, the lassie who went on, she won the pointless jackpot? Because I don't know. So she went on and we got to the final and it was a football question. She was like, oh, fuck. And um, she, uh, the, the question was um, like Champions League, people who played in the Champions League final. And um, I, she said, I know nothing about football, but... My my boyfriend said to me, if you get a football question, say Henrik Larson, right? So she said Henrik Larson, and sure enough, he came on as a sub for Man United again. Um, no, it would Barcelona against Arsenal. Yeah, Barcelona against Arsenal, and she won the jackpot because her boyfriend was like, say Henrik Larson, regardless of the football question, she won. The best playing around <laughs> I've ever seen in it, because it was so easy to do, was get to name any player who either started or came off the bench in the 2017 Scotch Cup final between Celtic and Aberdeen. You mentioned any Aberdeen player, you got the jackpot. Because it's asked in England, and obviously people in England don't, they don't know. So uh, I think the only not playing, like the only ones that scored were like Scott Brown, James Forrest, and someone else, I think. As always, thank you very much for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back next week to look back on the Dunfermline game and to preview the last game of the regulation season away at air. In the meantime, stay safe.